Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. All right, Natasha, this week we're going to be taking a look at a newer game called Encyclopedia, and then we're actually going to be taking a look at an older title, Elysium, which, if you've listened to the Board Game Shenanigans Top 100 Games of All Time, you understand this is one of Natasha's uh, favorite games. Mm-hmm. She seems to enjoy this one quite a bit. So uh, I got a chance to learn it. So we're going to see how I feel about it. And then in the discussion topic this week, we are going to be diving into board game expansions. What do we look for in expansions? Are there too many expansions? Do we want expansions? Do we even like expansions? That's what I'm saying. We're going to get into in the discussion topic. So my son is in the um, school play. It's really okay. cute. They're doing really Wonka Jr. He's just he's in the ensemble, and so he's got a lot of downtime. and And he's like, I don't know what to do, um, you know, during the play, like when I'm not on stage, because I can't have my phone, Mom. And I'm like, Oh, okay, we just gotta sit there quietly. He's like, Yeah, but what do I do? And I'm like, What are the other kids doing? He's like, They're just sitting there quietly, and he's just like, completely. Like flabbergasted, like he has no idea how to just sit quietly. Like he can't even, can't even imagine himself sitting there. He can't do it. I was like, you could bring a book. I'm like, maybe like a, maybe we could do like a puzzle book. You could do some puzzles. No, that's not how that works. It's dark back there backstage. Yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna be a long week. The play is gonna be this weekend. How many performances do they have to do? Four. Okay. But they're starting dress rehearsals. They started them last week, so they've got a big one today. And then all week they're dress rehearsing. And then on Wednesday, they're all skipping school and practicing all day Wednesday. So it's a long, going to be a long week of him having to be quiet and sit there. <laughs> it's hilarious to think that a kid that doesn't have a piece of technology doesn't know what to do with themselves. It's weird how things have changed and it makes me feel so dang old when I say stuff like that. When I was when I was a kid, we didn't, <laughs> we have, didn't cell have cell phones. I know when you get your kids now like um you, you end up getting your kid a phone really young. Basically as soon as they're old enough to stay home alone, you have to get them a phone because you don't have home phones anymore. So this is like normal. Like kids just grew up on phones and iPads at home and yeah, that they aren't bored like we were. We're in a unique generation where uh, we know what it was like not to have phones and like technology, and but then we were able to see the technology develop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always find that I find that interesting, but it's it's one of those things that as a parent you have a new set of problems that you have to deal with mm-hmm. compared to like what our parents had to deal with. Our parents never had to deal with social media. Like I have to figure out how I can, you know, teach my children. To manage social media and like the bullying that can happen on social media, which sucks. But oh, on the flip so side much. of the coin, yeah, there's so much information just available to you. I was having this conversation the other day at work, and uh, somebody was just like, "I don't, I don't remember how to do that." And I'm like, "Well, you don't have to. You can just Google it. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to keep, you know, keep that in your memory. You know, mm-hmm. like remember as a kid, you knew everyone's number, phone number, right? Yeah, you, yeah." You just knew it by you just knew it by heart. You would just dial it and be able like now. Do you know anyone's phone number? I know like no. two. I know yeah. two. One of them was my old phone number. <laughs> <laughs> I know the information is that you're right at your fingertips, and they teach differently because of that. They don't they don't push on memorization like they did when we were young. 
because they kids don't need to memorize things. They have ever all the information right at their fingertips. Yeah, I mean, you can just access Neat. it. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, so Chat GPT is this? Do you? I'm gonna guess you have no idea what Chat GPT is. No, I don't. So it's artificial intelligence. You can basically input something and it'll spit out another thing. So you can say write a paper about uh, Marco Polo and it will spit out a research paper about Marco Polo. And there was an article I read recently about is this a new way of cheating for kids, for like college kids or whatever? Is this a new way of cheating that they can just spit out this paper? And there was one professor that commented that, no, I don't think this is a new way of cheating. Cheaters are always going to find a way to cheat. But what I'm teaching my students to do is I want them to input that, spit it out, and then take that and make it into a paper. So they're learning to use and interact with that AI, hmm, which I thought was a really interesting concept. Yeah. So, yeah. What is he going to do? Twiddle his thumbs. I have no idea. <laughs> he's going to be miserable is what he's going to do. <laughs> Does he have ADD? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that's, that's especially tough for kids. Like, like, uh, you know, I'm, Zach has ADHD. So just to have him like sit quietly for any length, for any length mm-hmm. of time. I remember, tough. I remember when, when when my daughter was little and we were at a soccer game and there was other little brothers that were there with with watching their older sister play and they would like sit on the the blanket with their mom like the entire time and like I was getting up like chasing after my son like he would run into the field he was like I don't know one or two not even you know and I just remember looking at the other boys that were just sitting there quietly and with their moms and I was just like how do you how 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 do you get, make them do that? I have no idea. <laughs> you don't make kids do it. I don't feel like you can make kids do anything you no. want. No. You have to like you have to like weasel your way into making them do things. You have to trick them. I trick exactly. my kids a lot. Like, yeah. Ooh, I bet you I can pick up more toys than you. No uh, no uh. Maybe that's why my kids are so competitive. <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> I've been training them their whole life. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I mean, there's tricks of the trade, man. I'll tell you what. Sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> anyway, we're let's talk about some board games, huh? All right, all right. Let's talk about Encyclopedia. This is a new one that just came out. It's designed by Eric Dubis and Oliver Mellison. Uh, there's quite a few art artists, but they're really good. So I want to call them out: Jolene Drans and Jermaine Jer- um, Pugaroo and Rowan Talhope. It's published by Holy Grail Games. This is a larger dice uh, worker placement game with some set collection. At the start of your turn, you're going to draw dice from the bag, roll them, and place them out at the top of your board. These dice then can be used to perform one of six different actions per turn. Some actions require the dice used to be of the matching color, where others will require a, a certain value. The first three locations on the board, and you can use any of these actions in any order are the bank, the embassy, and the university. And they are all about preparing for your research expeditions. Placing a die on the board's fourth location, the academy, will allow you to pick up an animal to study. Your die must be of the same color as the animal card you wish to take. Each animal card has a number of characteristics defined by four types. Its category, bird, reptile, mammal. Its diet, its habitat, and its preferred climate. So placing a die on the expedition allows you to visit a continent of your choice in order to research the animal card that you have of the same color. The die placed must be the same color as the continent you wish to explore. The, the expedition allows you to place cubes on your animal cards that will allow you to uh, use those cubes in the publication action. To publish your research, you must place a die of 
on one of your animal cards, which will be your reference animal. This animal will be the centerpiece of your publication. The die you choose must be the same color as your reference animal, and its value determines the type you can publish. You may also publish any animals you have that have at least one thing in common with your reference animal. So you kind of want to like, as you're choosing animals, you want to get animals that have the same of those same categories that I had mentioned earlier, that the same diets or habitats or preferred climate as whatever reference animal you end up using. Your research cubes are then transferred onto the publication section of the board, immediately earning you points. Your collections of research cubes will also earn you points during final scoring. The animal cards you published are set to the side and any collections of the same color will also earn you points at the end of the game. So what makes this game interesting is that when you pull the dice out of the bag uh, and roll them, uh, you put them in, on top of your board and, and any of the other players can use your dice. You can use any of the other players. You don't have to use your own dice. And in fact, you're incentivized not to because if you use other people's dice, then they get a little bit of a bonus, a little freebie uh, reward there for every time somebody uses their dice. So that makes it a little bit interesting. And I also like that because because color matters. And if you only draw four dice out of a bag, you might not draw a color you need. So, But between all the players, you should be able to find a die that you would want that you've been looking for and wanted to use. So it's essentially really, I think it comes down to it's a dice drafting game. I agree. I think it's uh, the most interesting part of the game is that dice drafting piece because you pull your dice, you roll them. And then based on the results you get, you're going to be placing them on your board almost for other people. So the die that you want, you might end up wanting to put in a spot that de-incentivizes other players to take it. Whereas, you know, you see a die that somebody, you know, somebody really, really probably needs. You also want to put that in a spot that's going to give you a bonus. Mm -hmm. So, yes. And I do like the fact that you're not limited to the dice you draw. That is also a very cool thing to me that you, you aren't stuck with what you pull out of the bag. You can do what it is you need to do. And the only stipulation to that is dice value. So if there, if you really need a green six and the only greens out on the board are ones, well, then you won't be able to use a green six. Yeah, you are limited, and then your plans are going to have to change based on what are what dies are rolled. Yes. The artwork in this game is amazing. It is so, mm -hmm. so good. I really like the theme of the animals, and I really like the style of the artwork on the cards especially. I think they're really beautiful, and I feel like the it's really got a nice little light science-y feel to it. I agree, yeah. It's one of those games that, They've thought about the science behind the game. Mm -hmm. That said, I feel like the game's mechanics get in the way of the theme of the game. Because the first several actions, the first, I think, four actions are pretty simple. You know, mm -hmm. you go, you do a couple things like no big deal. Maybe you grab the first player token. Maybe you do this. Maybe you advance on your track. You, you grab a card that's going to help you do other things. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you grab an animal tile. Cool. Even the animal tiles like color, color matters. All right. Sounds good. You know, I have a red die, I can grab a red animal. No big deal. It's yep. those last two actions that are getting in the way of the theme because of how fiddly they are. They're a little bit more, they're a little complicated for how the weight of the game. I don't think they're like complicated for any gamers to figure out, especially, you know, halfway through the game, you've gotten it. That's fine. But it feels like a lighter game. It feels like a pretty light basic worker placement game. But the complexity of that rule just kind of makes it a little bit heavier, but it's not a heavier gain. Yeah, I agree. So you put the die down. You're like, all right, I'm going to gain this amount. 
all right, I can I can chuck this these coins or whatever to bump it up. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. So then you can increase your die value so then you're able to like research those those attributes on the on the animal that you have. But then when you go to like publish, you say, "Okay, I'm going to publish." And you put let's say a red die down. Okay, cool. I'm going this is going to be my target animal, not target. Reference. Reference animal, thank you. And then so you're going to have your reference animal. You're going to say, all right, I'm going to publish these things. So then you're going to move the cubes off of it and put it into there. But then you can also do the same color. But then you can also do attributes that match it. It's very, again, it's just, it's, I don't want to say it's super fiddly. Because I don't, I think once you get the grasp of it, once you do it a couple times, you're going to be like, all right, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that it's a barrier to the theme. Yeah, it, like you this this theme is cool. I really enjoy the theme. It reminds me, I think when we were playing it, I even said this reminds me of a genius games game mm-hmm. because they're very into those science themes. And I like I I enjoy those. And this one is it was right up there. And I just it just that those mechanics got in the way more than they should have for the weight of what the game was. There is a set collection aspect to the game, too, you know, based on the number of. Uh, colored animals and the the extra cards that you draw like you could get additional bonuses at the end of the game mm-hmm. for you know getting this set so there's some set collection so you are thinking about that but you're at you're almost at the mercy of what the cards get drawn i remember at one point i was like all right i'm gonna go for these animals i have two of them and then i did not see another color of that animal for the next few rounds yeah yeah and you're limited what what comes up those cards come up for the whole round and no other cards come up you have to, so it's not like you're like, oh, I wait to see if other people draw cards and then they'll replace them, but they don't in that round. So there, there is that limitation to it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think it would have been better if the rules were just a little bit more streamlined because of the, the game isn't light, but it's definitely a midway game. So it, but just having that complexity with the rules with with your reference animal and which other cards you can, um can research or publish on and then if you publish any animal of the same type then then you can save that for the set collection there's just it's just this very specific rule set that's that's not intuitive that's the only complaint of the game but i think if you were to play this game and you enjoyed it by the second time you played this game you'd be totally fine and you'd completely understand it so i don't think it's a barrier for enjoying the game i think it's just i think a lot of people might not enjoy the game because of it but if they can get past it then I think it, it. I still enjoyed the game a lot. What are you going to rate the game? I would rate it a seven. Um, I liked it. I I would be willing to to continue playing it. I liked it quite a bit, and it, it could grow on me. I know we've only played it the one time on the cruise, so it's hard to say. So I don't want to. I don't want to give like a final. This is my answer forever. I've only played it one time. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the artwork. I enjoyed the theme. I I enjoyed the puzzliness of trying to get those those cards combinations together that you wanted cards of the same continent with the same type on it, the same um, attributes, but I can see the limitations of it. And I don't know that it's a game that I would be interested in playing a bunch of times. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I am. I'm going to come in at a six. The thing is this game has a super cool theme, but I just didn't feel engaged as much as I would have wanted to for the style of game. Most of my interesting decisions that I made were the dice. Where am I going to place my dice? Which dice am I going to use on my turn? 
those were the decisions I was making. Mm-hmm. And then as far as everything else, like I kind of just let the game show me what I what I can and can't do. And then the far as as far as researching the animals, you know, there's four spots. Well, clearly you want to research the highest spot because it's worth the most amount of points. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yes, you can combo all these things, but all you're really waiting to do is get a bunch of animals so you can publish once and just, you know, spit a bunch of cubes out on the board and gain a ton of points. It was one of those games where it's kind of like Castles of Burgundy where, you know, I'm at 78 points. Natasha's at 84 points. You know, Marty's at, you know, 80 points and Phil's at 50. Then all of a sudden Phil takes the research action and bumps up to 94. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's one of those games that you can just score points in chunks, especially yeah. when you're putting those cubes on in there. The The artwork goes a long way to keeping this a kind of game that I would still enjoy playing. I think I think that's one of its biggest positives is that artwork. And just again, I keep going back to those actions are just fiddlier than they needed to be. I wouldn't say fiddlier, fiddly. I would say rules heavy. Like they're just more complicated. You're like, what? Well, so I can do this? No. No, no, you can do that. Like, okay, like this. It's just, it's just a little bit difficult to wrap your brain around. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that if this is a game you think you would enjoy, um, it would be totally worth getting and checking out. I think you could put the, you know, it's not like it's complicated. Th- the same as like you need to play this multiple times to really get the strategy. I think the mm-hmm. strategy is pretty, pretty there. It's, it's not too terribly difficult. You kind of have to play it a few times to wrap your brain around how the scoring works and how that publication action works. That's really the the learning curve there. But I think this could still, if somebody was willing to get past that first initial hump, this could be a, a game that they really could get into and enjoy quite a bit. And I'm thinking maybe people who don't, who don't play a lot of games who play, a, play a lot of the same games over and over. I think it could belong in that, that family. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so that's encyclopedia. Check it out. I think it's, it's still worth, I, I mean, it's still, I enjoyed it quite a bit. All right, next up, I want to talk about Elysium. I referenced this game quite a bit, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, you've re- referenced it once or twice. You know, no big deal. Yeah, this is designed by Matthew Dunstan and um, Brett Gilbert. The art is, a, there's actually a whole bunch of artists because each um, family of gods is, has a different artist. It's published by Space Cowboys. This is a mostly card game with set collection, rummy style, and some drafting. The game comes with eight different sets of family cards cards are the same color you're going to choose five to play with in each game and each set kind of focuses on one thing like the yellow cards are focused on giving you lots of money the blue cards are mean Um, the game is played over five epochs which are rounds and each epoch has a four phases the first and last phase are just set up and tear down on the rounds the second phase is the action phase we're going to draft three cards in one quest the cards you draft go into your domain which is the top half of your tableau Many of the cards have special abilities that you can use when you are when they're in your domain. And then the quest tokens you draft will determine turn order in the next phase and, and into the next round. It will also give you money and transfers, which I'll talk about in a minute, into the next phase, which uh, is called the writing the legends. So you'll start the writing the legends phase by rearranging turn order. Then in turn order, players will receive their gold and spend your transfers transferring cards from their domain, the top half of the tableau, into their Elysium, which is the bottom of the tableau. And you can do this as many times as you have transfers. Uh, Some cards give you additional transfers. When they enter your tableau, their special ability goes away unless it's endgame scoring. And when you move them into your into the Elysium, you you arrange them into a sets and runs. You kind of locked into that set and run that you've committed them to. 
At the end of the game, you'll score points for all your sets and runs and any victory points you may have accumulated throughout the game from cards or for being the first person to complete a set or a run. Now, what makes this game interesting is, is twofold. It's the resources used to draft the cards in the quest. So everyone gets these little um, chunky markers. They're uh, four colors. And you're, you're going to draft three cards in one quest with these four markers. And basically, you have to have the resource in your hand, the, the marker, and then you can buy that card. And then you need to spend a resource. But it could you could spend any resource. So there's a lot of thinking and like, okay, I need to get... I want to get this one, which costs a green, but I also want the other card that's green. So I don't want to discard my green. How about I discard the red because there's not very many reds out there. And then you have, so then you're drafting these, you're going to, you, you know, you could choose one of three cards and a quest. So you want to get the cards you want, but you also maybe want a specific quest because you want to do so, certain many transfers. Maybe you want to go first. So maybe you want to draft the quest first. You, you're drafting these cards in the quest. And you're choosing which ones to, to do first. And I think that's really interesting. The other thing that I think is interesting about this game is that these cards come with these special abilities that are really good when they're in your domain. So you want to keep them in your domain, but you don't they don't score you points in your domain. So you need to move them to your Elysium. So now they don't have special abilities, but they score you points at the end of the game. So I think that those decisions of which cards to keep up top for their special abilities and when to move them to the bottom is important, especially because you cannot just transfer cards over whenever you want. You're limited each round with how many cards you transfer. So you really want to be you want to be the first to transfer them down to complete those sets. You want to make sure you're going to get them for the end of the game. So I think there's a lot of tension in and the, there's a lot of tension with the drafting, and then there's a lot of tension with um, when to move cards from your domain to your Elysium. And that's what I like about this game: the tension. Yeah, I agree. The tension in the game is interesting. Because um, it's twofold, right? Like you just described. One is obviously using your resources, which I really liked. I I, I like the idea of using those little, you know, column pieces as your resources, and mm -hmm. you just had to have and get rid of one, like you said. Like that that is a cool concept to me. I really enjoyed that concept. Uh, there are times where you can get in situations where you get screwed over. I think the very we played it the the first time we played it. We ended up screwing over somebody because there was almost like no one particular color. So then we all kind of drafted turn order. So then they ended up getting like fourth and turn order or something. Yeah, they got a broken quest because they couldn't take the quest that was available because they had already spent the color token that they needed to get it. So then you get a broken truck quest, which is only one transfer, less money, and you're always last. You know, so you can get in situations where you can screw people over. There are times in the game where you're going to say, all right, there's six green cards and two blue. I'm going to get rid of my blue. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I obviously I'm going to need a green in order to get what I need. Right. Mm -hmm. So there you are in situations where you are trying to determine, OK, what do I think the other players are going to take compared to what I need and what resources I'm going to have? Which ones am I going to spend? I think that's a cool mechanic. Mm -hmm. And all the cards I didn't mention, all the cards that they're, they're all laid out in front of everybody. So it's ba it's open drafting where you see all the cards that are available for everybody. And I think the decisions that you make from which cards to take are really interesting as well because you might want the cards for the set collection, but you might want other cards for special abilities. So you have an idea of what cards you want. And like, I think there's just a lot of tension in are people going to take your cards from you? Which one do you want the most? A lot of tight decisions there. I think there, yeah, there's some good decisions there. The, uh, it is a cool concept that cards in your domain uh, will have special abilities, but then cards that get moved into your Elysium no longer count towards that, but you can get points. At the end of the day, 
thinking about this game, I think the special powers aren't nearly as important as making sure you can be first in sets in order to get those bonus tiles. Yeah. I think there's a there I think that's a that's a lot of importance so that for me knocks down the special powers just a little bit because I might like the special power but it's probably better for me if I move that into my Elysium cuz I want to be the first one to claim those extra points cuz that's obviously the game right you need to score points and you can get a decent amount of points from those that uh completing the sets right Yep. For sure. So that I really like. This is definitely one of those games that the more you play, the better you're clearly going to be at the game because you know what cards are going to come be coming up and you know you can start getting a feel for those cards. So I think there's going to be, this reminds me of those types of games that you can explore and continue to grow and learn the cards and then you're going to get to a point, for example, if you've played this game 10 times and compare it to somebody who's played once, you're going to, there's no way that one player, that first time player can probably compete. Probably. I don't think it's terribly complicated. No, but... it's not. But like you've 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 explored the game. You understand some of the combos you're trying to reach, especially within the cards. You know, kind of like, oh, you know I know the cards are good. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a little bit better idea of of that type of thing. But even then, I think for the most part, yeah, the, the game has some interesting decisions. I like that you have there's eight families of cards, but you only play with five of them. So being able to change them up, that adds a lot of variety to the game as well. Yeah, I agree. And this is going to be, uh, this is why we're talking about expansions in this game, in this episode. <laughs> because this is the type of game, and I don't know if it's maybe Space Cowboys, but this is the type of game that is perfect for an yeah, expansion 100%. of extra god cards. Yeah, new families. You just add it like, you buy one of like three new families. Now all of a sudden you've got 11, you're going to choose five. That's interesting. Perfect. Yeah. You add it in just gets thrown in and now it's part of the game. Yeah, and Space Cowboys doesn't make expansions. They just don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand what the deal is. This game is perfect. For it that. even has space in, in this like stupid insert that it comes in. It's got space for additional cards. Like they're literally like slots for cards with no cards in it. It's yeah, it's one of the, yeah. Yeah, this I mean and the thing is all it would do Literally, all you would have to do is come up, like you said, like three extra, three extra gods or whatever. And then so cool. Perfect. Put them in a little pack, you know, sell them. It's just going to add to the replayability of a game by adding those cards. It's like Dominion. Just adding more Dominion stuff makes the game give it longer legs and longer longevity. Mm -hmm. So they did the same thing with Ethnos, which really frustrates me because like Ethnos is such a like I'm going off on a tangent here, like pre discussion topic but that's the thing like ethnos ethnos would be like perfect give me some additional characters or additional like races in that game to play and it'd be perfect anyway we're talking about elysium not not that elysium yeah um this game so you you require cards and you put them in your domain and so basically it's just a fancy version of rummy but it is yeah with, with tension there's a lot of tension in the draft there's a lot of tension with the cards you know, you feel painful bringing them to your domain, your Elysium from your domain because you're giving up that special power, but you really wanted the card for the set collection. I love it. I rate this game a 9 out of 10. I am not going to rate it that high. I think I I'm going to give it a, I think I'm going to give it a 7. I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. I'd play it again. It's not necessarily one of those games I feel like I need to own. It's interesting, too, because I feel feel like this game shows its age yes you know and it's 
and it's still a good game, but when I'm playing it, I'm like, yeah, this is an older game. And I can't put my finger on exactly why I felt that way. Uh-huh. But that's just how I felt while playing it. And it's not because I know, you know, it's an older game. It just was one of those things that I'm like, it just has this feel that's older. Uh, you know, one of the things, the special powers that it has, there's different special powers that activate different ways. So there's one that's instantaneous. Cool. You know, that's easy. We all recognize that lightning bolt. Yep. And then there's like this tap one where you can tap the card. So you basically Exhaust. get to do it once per round, right? We all recognize that. And then there's this other tap card where you can tap the card, but only if you have two of the same type. So there's that. Yep. And then there's this thing that you get where you take this token and then you can spend it. And now that card is used up for the whole game. You know, it's a one-time benefit that you, so you instead of doing it instantaneously, you're holding on to it. And they all make sense. And it totally makes sense to have different powers that you can, you know, activate instantaneously round over round. You know, they're really powerful. So you need two of them to do it. Or like you get to do it. It's a big one, but you only get to do it once per game. So it, all of that makes sense, but it complicates it in a way that feels unnecessary. And I didn't notice that before, and I noticed that when I taught you this game. So I, I wonder if that's where it shows its age. It's just, it just doesn't feel streamlined. That could be a reason for it. The aesthetic is, was interesting because I both liked and hated it. <laughs> and like, because the cards, I liked the card artwork. I thought that was cool. I liked the box cover. The box cover is cool. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, your little uh, your little player uh, board, I, I, it's not a board, but the thing that you give each player that like locks in your turn order and stuff like that and it divides your space, that looked ugly to me. It was very dated looking, yeah. And it didn't match the artwork. So each of the cards have different artists, the families, the, the art. The, so all of you know the yellow cards have the same artist. All the blue cards have the same artist. Which I like, actually. I yeah, like that. which is cool, but then the graphic design of the other components that aren't really art, more graphic design, just didn't match the artwork and the cards. Yeah, it, it didn't feel the same. It felt it felt very dated. It has that classic like Greek mythology, like I don't know, early two thousands look. I guess I don't know. I don't know. This one came out in twenty fifteen. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I either way, I, it was a fun game. I. After playing it, I understand why you like it because uh, I can see where you pull tension from all the different spots. In some ways, like the powers were cool, but at the end of the day, the powers didn't matter to me if I couldn't complete sets. I need to complete sets because I saw like sets starting to get completed and people pulling to- tokens. And then all of a sudden I felt behind because I was focusing on like utilizing powers yeah. to the point where I'm like, okay, I I can't care about the powers I am now going to start drafting cards to make sure I complete at least a set before somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and I lost. I think I was last, actually. because And I and that might be part of it, or I might have just played the game terribly. Who knows? Yeah, that's possible. All right, well, that's Elysium. Check it out if you like set collection games, if you like mid, mid-weight Euros, you know, if you like Greek God theme. Oh, I will say... It's only good at four. You can play it at two or three, but you end up pulling out less cards um, based on the number Ooh, of players. Yeah. So, so if you're going for like purple sets, now all of a sudden purple cards aren't coming up at all. When you play with four, you have more cards to choose from in the draft. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. So I, I really will only play this game at four. All right. Well. So that, that is a limitation of it. Uh, that's Elysium.
All right, well, that's going to wrap up the games we are talking about in this episode. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to dive into board game expansions. Welcome back. In this discussion topic, I wanted to start talking about expansions. I've been thinking a lot about board game expansions, and obviously we kind of delved into it slightly in the previous segment talking about Elysium is primed for an expansion. You know, you have uh, Ethnos is a game perfect for an expansion. So I kind of wanted to talk about expansions a little bit. And the first thing I want to ask you, Natasha, specifically is, do you like expansions? Do you want expansions for your games? No, not really. (laughs) 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 Because... Obviously. I tend to... I know I'm in the minority on this, but... I tend to not play my games enough to warrant an expansion. You know, and I think if I, when I do play a game a lot, I do enjoy the expansion. But oftentimes, you know, if I'm playing a game once a year, the expansion's like, I don't want to have to learn that. So I like, I push it to the side. I don't want to have to teach it. I push it to the side. So what expansions do I like? I like expansions that you add to the game, but no additional rules. Or the rules are very obvious they're on player reference cards i don't like expansions where you replace cards so you add these tokens or these chits and then take out these other ones because then i'm i have to decide each game am i playing with the expansion then i have to fiddly set that up i don't like that you just want something that can easily insert into the game and then just continue uh, continue additional content as i'll put it yeah you just want additional content like i like uh, a lot of the like Rising Sun and Anka, like all the other expansions because they're just extra factions you can play. So you just throw them in and they're just part of the game. There's no expansion material to read. You know what I mean? I like that. Sure. It's interesting because I, I for me to answer, do I do I like expansions? It depends. At the end 100%. of the day, it, it, it really I can't give you a definitive. Yes, I do. Or yes, I don't. It It's based on the type of expansions. I'm 100 percent like you. A game. If it gives me an expansion that gives me additional content, perfect. The other part of it that I really like is a game that will give me, give uh, enhance the players in some way, like player power. So the the one example for enhancing the players that I can think of that was the most perfect expansion was for Lost Ruins of Arnak. Yeah. That expansion to me, you just threw in the box, you gave everyone a player power but they also had a card that referenced how their power worked. In addition to that, it gave you an additional board to move up on that research track. So it altered the game in a way that gave you some additional things. And like the rules for that, yes, while they're different, they're not necessarily additionally complicated. There wasn't no explaining. They're like, okay, this this track, you understand how the track works? We're just going to replace it with this track. But it works the same way. You know, the, the rules are all the same. There's like maybe one different thing or whatever. Like but you the trigger rules different things. How thing. to use the track? All the Correct. same. You yes. know what I mean? You had to learn. Yeah, you have to learn your player powers, but it makes sense in the rules of the game. Well, and you get a reference of what your player power does, or you can even read it, and it's mm-hmm. it's not that complicated. It's it's one of those expansions that if you know how to play the game, and if you played with a person that's played the game a couple times and remembers the rules, if you gave them a player power and gave them the rule book or gave them the card and said, "Here, read this." They would know how that player works. Yep. 
So those are the types of expansions I really like is that it enhances the game and it gives you some additional like artifact cards and it gives you some additional tools and stuff like that. But so it gives you some additional content. And you'll never know they're part of the expansion. Like you'd never take them out. Correct. Yep. And that that's the key here. Like everyone talks about the, the, the most important uh, expansion you'll ever buy is your ticket to ride expansion. Because it replaces those those little dinky cards. Cool. You throw them away. Now you've got new cards, and then it and then it just adds more routes. So it just it just offers more variability to the game, and I love that expansion. Now I also have the expansion to the um, Europe Ticket to Ride Europe, and it does the same thing with adding more routes. But it also has like this extra rule with these these cards and these things you can put out. And I've never even played it. <laughs> Like, I just use the Ticket to Ride expansion for the routes because I don't want to have to relearn this additional rule and make this game that I like playing, because it's easy and simple, more complicated by adding the expansion. Which does bring us into an additional idea or concept is, are there any expansions that are necessary? Or are there expansions that are, you know, must-buys? For example, Ticket to Ride with that, Mm -hmm. you know, the expansion, I think, is a must-buy. For yeah. two reasons. It One, balances like, out the game, too. Those new routes. A hundred percent it does. And in addition with that, I I got to a point with playing that game with just the basic game. I could start saying, okay, I know where this person's going. Yeah. I know you're going to Seattle to New York. Calgary or New York yeah. or whatever. I know because I, I can tell based on the cards. And having gotten that expansion and using it, it's far more difficult to figure that out. Yep. And you get the you get the big cards, the big chunky cards, not those little tiny POS ones. That's really an essential part of the game. They should replace it in the game and come up with a new edition and put those in there. So do you do you feel like that expansion is necessary? A hundred percent. But I also feel like it should be part of the game. Like they should add it to the game. They should be printing new games knowing that this game is broken not broken but it's kind of broken with all these these new routes especially in in the u.s map if you play it enough you can really start figuring out where people are going Mm -hmm. and i think that becomes an issue because you can start blocking yeah which can be a thing yeah especially a game like ticket to ride where you play it 50 to 100 times like you you just play it a lot you know yeah i also like that they added uh globetrotter which is number of tickets punched yes so in the in the base game if you got the long routes you were there's if you completed your long routes there was a good chance you could you could squeeze out those long routes getting a bunch of points and getting longest train longest route yeah yeah just because you would have you you need to connect these like vast distances Mm -hmm. whereas with the new one if you just start punching a bunch of small tickets i mean it gives you some additional points with that which i really like yeah yeah, and it's a lot. I like that. One of my other um, expansions that I got, and this is really where I started this opinion on expansions, was the Castles of Mad King Ludwig. I really like the expansion. It's really good. But in order to play it, you have to take out two of every room tile and replace it with the expansion ones. So every game, you take you you don't remove it from the game permanently like you do those Ticket to Ride cards. You Every game, you sort, you know, you sort out the cards and then you re- randomly remove two. And that's just like more setup time. And then then you have the moats, which is pretty easy and it's fairly easy to teach. I don't mind that one. But I just don't like the extra work and the extra setup that comes with the expansion. I almost, for as 
infrequently as I play the game, I end up just not including the expansion very much. And then unless everyone else has played it and then we go ahead and do it. And I, I enjoy it, but I'm kind of like, I could take or leave the expansion, even though I like the expansion and I think it adds to the game. It's just not usually worth it for me. Ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got <laughs> time for much. that. That's when, that's where board game caddy needs to be a thing. Have yes. them set up the game and do everything like that. Man, Chris is on to something with the board game caddy. I, yes. I, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm like, man, I just, we need to start a Kickstarter, a GoFundMe, like a Patreon, something to get a board game caddy. That would be fantastic. Yes. I do want to ask you, because it's come up recently in a couple episodes, specifically because they make big box versions. So a game like Carcassonne, Mm -hmm. can there be too many expansions in a game? Yes. Okay. So Carcassonne's an expansion that I don't like. Carcassonne is an expansion. Carcassonne expansions are ones that I do not like. Yeah. Because they add extra rules. Yeah, you can throw the tiles in and you can just play. Cool. But like... I got really into Carcassonne. It was one of the first games that I bought, and I bought the big box. And I, what I did is I, we, I taught my friend, and we played Carcassonne regular. And then after we played it like 10 or plus times, we added one of the expansions. And so I had to read the rules. We learned it. We added it in. Cool. We played that like, you know, another 20 times. And then we added the next expansion in. And because we used to work third shift, we had a lot of time. We played a lot of Carcassonne. And because um, <laughs> we played at the hospital, it wasn't busy at night. Anyways. Playing in between patients, <laughs> but um, yep. then we would slowly add in each of the expansions. Cool. If I get the game out now, I'm playing just base because I don't remember how to play those ex- expansions. I don't want them. I don't want them. I like. I like. Somebody had purchased the Winter Edition, Car- uh, Carcassonne Winter Edition, and it it didn't. Inc- it added like a really a few extra tiles that kind of came in the expansions. Yep. And it really enhanced the game a lot. But without adding any additional rules, just a few extra tiles in there. So I have a funny story about Carcassonne uh, and with the 8 million expansions. So one of my good buddies that I play D&D with, he, him and his wife play Carcassonne a ton. Just like my wife and I, we, we've, pl- we've slowed on Carcassonne, but we used to play it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so he ended up buying almost all the expansions. So then we got together as a group. Myself, my buddy, his wife, and then a, then a couple others, and they're like, "Hey, do you guys want to play Carcassonne?" Because we all knew Carcassonne, right? Yeah. I knew Carcassonne. I have like three or four expansions, so I'm like, "Yeah, let's do this." So then he hands us our like meeples, and I'm like, "I have no idea what these three meeples do." Yeah, you got your big meeple, you got your car. I still remember some of these. There's like a something else. Yeah, the big meeple, I like know, and the thing is, because I've played the original stuff. So then he's just like, he goes, do you guys know what they all do? And we're like, no, not really. He's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. So then we start playing or whatever. And like somebody didn't know the traders and builders. So then when a tile came out with like a building symbol or whatever, he's like explaining it. And we're all just like looking at him because at that point it was we had all I still didn't know what some of the meeples did. And I was like, dude, I've played this game 50 times. I don't know what these things do. Yeah. So he was just like, he's like, well. All right, let's just scrap it. And he just like scooped it all up. And he's like, because it was going to be a pain in the butt to like take all those tiles yeah. and, re- you know, take, but take all the tiles out that you don't want to play with, but you don't want to teach them. Okay. And you got to spend the time teaching it all. And you don't remember. So you got to get the rule book out. Oh, no. My wife and I, we've had some expansions and there's some that, we, some that we really do not like. 
the the princess dragon one. Yeah, we don't no, even play bad. with those. We don't even play with those. We just play with the tiles. Yeah, you just add the tiles and leave the princess. Be done. Right now. Yeah, yep. it's just additional tiles, and then like the builders will play with a little bit. Uh, it just kind of depends on what we're trying to accomplish, but something like that is just too much. Which leads me into the next thing I want to talk about specifically with expansions, and that is Kickstarters with eight million expansions. I it, I got in this rant last episode about how Kickstarter frustrates me, specifically when people use it as a pre-order system, like Simon, I'm talking about you, and oh, come on, whatever their name is, cool mini or not, I'm talking about you, and somebody, like, I keep, remember seeing posts of people standing next to their Marvel United all-in pledge, and the boxes of content was taller than they were, and I'm not talking like, you know, five foot five people, I'm talking like, one dude's like, I'm six five. And like the boxes are taller than he is. Yeah. But you're not setting that all up. Like I although I think Marvel Marvel United is like a plug and play where you just grab like pieces of it and play. Yes. Yeah, so you can. There's that, different characters. I think it's probably fine. As long as you don't mind managing all that game, storing it and That's a lot of content. It's not my lifestyle. A hundred percent. And uh it's funny because initially when I got on the Kickstarter bandwagon, I'm like, I'm I'm pledging all in. Like, I want it all. I want it all in. Like, and then you get all this stuff and you're like, I'm not going to ever play I'm, it. I'm not going to play all this. No. Like, I'm just not. So a recent Kickstarter, I was looking at it and I was looking at the two things. I was like, I'm just going to get the base box because like, I want the like Kickstarter extras just for exclusivity. But aside from that, I'm not going to play all that content. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Come on. I mean, if you think you are, then by all means, like, totally get it. But, like, it's just, it's it's not as enjoyable, you know? No. No. It's it's just, I don't know. It's like the Ticket to Ride map expansions. Those are cool, and they're novel, and they're fun to play. But I still always just kind of go back to, let's just play regular Ticket to Ride. It's easier. Set it's up funny and- you should mention that, because... I have uh, I have a couple. I have like Nordic countries. I have the France and the Old West maps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, when we decide to sit down and play, we grab the U.S. map. Yeah. And just just grab that box and play. They're they're interesting and they're good and and I don't think they're not worth getting. But you yeah you just don't end up playing them as much. It's just so much content, so much content, and then you have games flip side of the coin, that need expansions that never get them. Elysium is a prime example. Mm -hmm. That game needs an expansion. Ethnos, I've beat to death. That game, oh, I wish Space Cowboys Simon would sell that game to Roxley. Man, if they sold that game to Roxley and Roxley did their Roxley thing with it and just created much better artwork and did their thing, oh, that game would be fantastic. But as it stands now, the artwork feels dated. It yeah. it looks old. I per, for whatever reason it just like it tickles my nostalgia button a little mm-hmm. bit. The board looks awful. Like it looks like a prototype board. The gameplay is so good. I love that game so much, and it's hard to get it played because people are just like, mm. they look at it and they're like, eh, eh. I don't know. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I. I. I got really into Dominion, and that one is a one where the expansions are awesome, but you, I ended up like getting too many of them, and so then I needed a big box to put them all in, so I had gotten this big wooden box to put them all in. It was super nice, 
now that box is so heavy, I don't want to carry it around anywhere and I don't play it because it's just too much. So I think like a game like Dominion that's awesome with expansions, you do kind of want to limit yourself to like picking a couple of them. You know, and if you play it and and you're like, I want to keep playing it, but I'm getting bored with this game, then add another one. You know what I mean? And then keep playing it because eventually you'll get to the point where like, okay, this is the right amount. I don't need to keep buying everything, you know, because because having everything, it's just it ends up overwhelming you. It's too much. You know, I think the last expansion I bought was the the dark, the dark ruins one and the dark ages, something like that. And it was dark and it just made it not fun. I was like and I heard it wasn't very good, but I bought it anyways because I wanted it and I shouldn't have. And that. Then at that point, I was like, okay, I'm done. And then I picked up the newest one because now it's been like 10 years. And, I, and I've just kept it in the box without everything else. And I, I just enjoy it having that small box. And I think I'm going to try to rearrange it. So I take out all the stuff I don't like and keep everything I like, but only in that one box. So here's my question to you. If, you, if a person brand new into the hobby, because we do have some listeners who are new, yep. uh, and they want to play Dominion, the classic... OG deck builder mm-hmm. and they bought the second edition base box. Yes. What expansion should they look at? Prosperity. Prosperity is is absolutely the best expansion and it's the only one you need. You don't even need that one. Play Dominion. If you love it, then buy Prosperity. Do not go out and buy Dominion plus like three expansions. Buy Dominion, play it a ton, and and then you're like, I need more, I need more. Then buy one more. Play it a ton. You know what I mean? Take it slow. I think prosperity is good because it 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 incentive or it gives you it gives you money it gives you cash flow. It, it has extra money, it bigger cards. It's just really fun. The Seaside's yeah. another really good one. The newest one, Hinterlands, is really good. There's a few other really good ones. I would I would probably say if you love Dominion, get the base game. You know, over time, like buy another expansion, but limit it to like three or four, and then just be done. Because at that point, like you're just repeating. You know. A lot, especially the older ones, maybe just get like Prosperity and then like the newest one because that has a different, adds a different mechanic to it. Dominion's one of those games that just feels bloated. And the funny thing mm-hmm. is, if you sit down with somebody that has a bunch of expansions, they already know what cards they like. They might pull one one set of cards from Prosperity, one set of cards from Intrigue, you know, a set of cards from Dark Ages, and they just like they already kind of know what they want to play with. Mm-hmm. And each. Like each expansion comes with like the same style of cards. Like, oh, this is your village card for this expansion. It's just the same thing. It's just a little tweak on it. But you don't need all yep. three different. You don't need five different ways to village. One is enough. You know, uh, I bought some of the expansions for Endless Winter, and I still remember there was three you could buy. One is Ancestors, which I I think is one of those. It falls in lines with one of those perfect expansions. It gives me additional content in the form of you have a set of tribe cards that are, correspond to the different actions on the board, and those are just stacks of cards that you that are always available. Well, you can clear that market, and you can put a brand new set out, so they are going to do different and unique things. So it's just uh, changing one set for another, which I don't think is that big of a deal. Yep. And then with the animal cards you can exchange some of the animal cards. So instead of giving you set collection bonuses for the end of the game, they will give you eclipse bonuses based on how many you have, which okay. I think is a really cool concept. So it changes the game up a little bit, but it it's not like it inherently gives you, oh, now you have to learn this new set of rules. Okay. Then they came, then I bought the river expansion, river and rafts, I think. 
which changes the board in which you are setting out your your settlements. Uh, I have I have looked at it a little bit. It seems interesting. It's going to change that up a little bit. But again, it's one of those expansions that I'm going to only bring out with people who know the game. Yeah. And then, and then, <laughs> your favorite. There's <laughs> there's cave paintings, <laughs> and I remember buying buying them. And the the guy working at the local game store is like, "Aren't you going to get cave paintings?" I'm like, "No, nah, man. I don't. <laughs> I don't need cave paintings." I don't need a roller right addition to my game. It, it was an expansion. It wasn't like a standalone roll and write game. Right, yeah. Wow. I well, mean, you I, were like, you, were like you should, like, yeah, you were trying to get it. me to buy it. I'm like, I no, know, I don't I want to see this. what it was like. <laughs> you tell you what, you buy it, I'll, I'll, I'll play it and we can like <laughs> integrate it. But I'm not spending money on that. Like, no, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, those types of things I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm, no, like there's, there's good expansions. And then there's bad expansions. There's games that need expansions. There are games that just feel absolutely bloated. And all they're, I feel like all they're doing is releasing content for cash grabs. You know? Yeah. Here's my advice to everybody who's listening. You do, especially if you're new in the hobby, it's very overwhelming. You feel like you're yep. missing out on so much. Yes. You do not need to go and get any of the expansions. If you do, awesome. If you want them, great. A lot of them are totally worth it and they're a lot of fun, but you don't need them. You can play a game, like get into it, learn it, play it a bit. And if you want the expansion because you think you're going to keep playing it, by all means, get the expansion. But you don't need to feel like you're missing out if you're not getting them. The only time I would say an expansion is necessary or an expansion is or you should look at expansions is if you have a group that plays the same game consistently and you guys love to play the same game and just learn that game, invest time into that game, but, you know, just continue playing. I have friends that will play Agricola every week. Well, look at the expansions for Agricola. It will change the game up enough. And you're playing with the same people. So as soon as you learn a new rule set with those people, you don't need okay. to reteach it to people. Yeah. Or new newer players. I think that I think that's when you start looking at expansions. I know in the beginning, I'm like, oh, this game has an expansion. I need it. I like this game. Yeah. And then it just sits. And mm-hmm. I'm so much more selective about expansions now than I've ever been. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's my only point. Like you don't need to jump on board with all the expansions. No. And 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 listen to reviews. I think that's the other thing I would say. Like other people have bought it, so see if they like it, if it's worth it because you you'll often get consensus on those. You know what I mean? A lot of people who are they're people that like the game, who are, you know, doing the the expansions or getting them and checking them out. So you, so you, it's pretty consistent like people thinking that you know, if they think the expansion adds to the game or doesn't, is it needed? You know, that'd be my yeah, advice. Yeah, like as prosperity well. is universally loved the best. by people. Yeah. 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 And nobody likes the dark ages. Like that, I should have listened to that and just gotten out of it instead of, well, I, I still want to play it. I, I didn't need it. You know, yeah. like the ticket to ride one everyone's like, this is a must have expansion. And it is. You know, people say that it, it, that's a good way to kind of measure, like, should you get it or not? Because there are expansions that really do fix. Um, I know the Architects of the West Kingdom, their first expansion really did fix a lot of the things in the first game or in the base game that that improved it, you know? Yep. So there are there are ones that really do. To piggyback off the Ticket to Ride thing, honestly, I don't think you need that expansion right away either. I think you're just fine playing the game the way it is. And if you ever get to a point where you're saying, you know what, I have an idea of where this person's going, it is time to buy the expansion. 
Yeah. And you know it'll be worth it because you've played the game 20 times. And you know you like the If you've played the game to the point where you can recognize that, it's a game you love. It's a game you like. It's a game you're playing consistently. You can get the expansion and feel good about it. You know what um, advice um, Adam Savage says that my husband listens to a lot, and I think it, it's, it can be related to board games a little bit. When you're buying, like when you're getting it new into a hobby, and you have to like buy tools for like maybe woodworking tools or you're getting into painting, you want to buy like the brushes and the paint for that type of stuff. When you're first getting into it, go ahead and buy the cheaper stuff. It's fine because because sometimes you, you're not sure if you're going to stick with a hobby. If you if you buy the cheaper stuff and you wear it out, then good. You've worn it out. You know now that it's worth investing into like the higher quality product, you know, and that's kind of what you could take that with expansions like buy the base expansion if. If it starts to feel like it needs an expansion, then go out and buy an expansion. You've played it enough to know now you can invest the money, opposed to the upfront investment of, oh, I should buy something high quality so that I get the best. Well, you might not stick with it. You might not love it. I think it's good advice. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's solid advice. So yeah, that is uh, that is what we think about board game expansions. All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening to Our Shenanigans. Join us next week. Please leave us a review and check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, send us your questions. Let us know what you think about expansions to the board game shenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.